Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, Sesame Street Justice. Our dispute, a class action. The plaintiff is Chris, a youth group leader. Last summer, a group of three of his students snuck into his house and stole his life-size doll of the Sesame Street character Ernie. For two weeks, they secretly corresponded with Chris as kidnappers before finally admitting that they were behind the prank. The prank, though, went horribly wrong when before he was returned, Ernie was stolen from one of the students' truck. The students, represented by Ben, say they only perpetrated a harmless prank, and the responsibility for the loss of the doll lies with the thief who broke into the truck. Chris argues that the responsibility lies with the students who kidnapped the doll. Who's right and who's wrong? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom. Good afternoon, everyone. You may be seated. Okay, please rise again. Uh, Bailiff Jesse, will you please swear in the complainant and the defendant? Ben, Chris, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God, or whatever? I do. I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge Han... Han Judgment, that's correct, Jesse, you go ahead. (laughs) The Jonerable Hudge Judgment. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that his only legal expertise comes from super-dosing ginkgo biloba pills? I do. I do. Very well, you may be seated. Ooh, I'm on a little bit of a ginkgo biloba high, guys, so uh, bear with me. Um, before we get started, I want to uh, tell you that this is um, pledge drive time for MaximumFun.org, our kind host producers and sponsors and uh, friends. And uh, so I want you guys to know that here at the court of Judge John Hodgman, we are fair, impartial, and completely incorruptible, except for one week out of the year, this week. If either one of you is willing to make a pledge of $1,000 at any time during the hearing, you automatically win. Do you understand? Yes. Yes. Do either of you wish to take the option of pledge justice at this time? I think I have truth on my side, so I'm actually quite comfortable where I'm sitting. Okay, and you have no money anyway, right? Right. That is also true. (laughs) Okay, very well. Uh, So no pledge justice, simple trial by combat as always. Jesse, sorry. Well, you know, if anybody out there wants to go to MaximumFun.org slash donate, we'll talk about the cool prizes later. Okay, fantastic. So, Chris, I understand that you are the complainant. And the former owner of a life-sized Ernie. Tell me what happened and, 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 uh, and everything you can tell me about it. Last year, on August 21st, 2010, I remember the date very well because it was my 27th birthday. Um, Happy birthday. I was, thank you very much. You got my card? Um, did you get my card? Uh, I did. It was lovely. Actually, I can't perjure myself. I'm sorry, Judge. I didn't get your card. So you remember it very well because it was your birthday. That is correct. I was in my house. I heard some noises outside, and I thought that it was some other friends uh, who were trying to, um, like, sneak in and, like, surprise me on my birthday. So I went upstairs. When I came back down then, no one was around. I didn't particularly notice anything out of line at that point because I wasn't expecting the Ernie to be gone, um, which was when I got a message from the kidnappers letting me know that they had him. Um, Throughout the next two weeks or so then, I was on off and on contact with the uh, the unknown kidnappers who eventually became known. Um, and then uh, 
probably about two and a half weeks after it was taken, uh, I was informed that it had, in fact, been taken from them as well. And they had no idea who took it from them, and I haven't seen it since. So it's going on about a year. Someone kidnapped from the kidnappers. Correct, yes. All right. I like how your reaction to hearing someone breaking into your house is, oh, it's my birthday. It must be my friends. (laughs) It must be my friends trying to break into my house. I'll go upstairs. To be fair, do you, I, have, do you actually have do you actually have friends, or are you just hoping that at some point someone's going to break into your house and become your friend? Uh, I have I'm, an actual I have an actual reason for thinking that, but it is a longer story that I don't want to. I, it's, it's irrelevant to the case. I didn't mean to suggest that you have no friends. You have to understand that I'm basing all of my presumptions on the fact that you uh, at one point owned a life size Ernie and you're a grown man. It's true. So I got a little I got a little concerned for you there. I'm going to give you a pass. That's fine. Now, one of the accused and dare I say confessed kidnappers uh, is also on the line as well, and that is the defendant, and his name is Ben. Is that correct? Correct. Ben, what is your age? I am 18. You are an irrepressible teenager, aren't you? I am. All right. <laughs> Tell me about uh, what what went down from your point of view. How do you know the the complainant? Well, he is a uh, a former friend of mine. Uh, I'm not sure how how this is going to go over afterwards, but. Mm. Uh, We've known each other for a couple years. We were, you know, on a first name basis. In fact, he even told me uh, prior to the 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 date that uh, we took the original Ernie, uh, he said that I was welcome in his house at any time, and the door was always open, so it was not breaking and entering at all. Just I, wanted to clarify that. Well, hang on, hang on. Now, now in, in what capacity did you come to know the complainant, Chris? Well, he is a substitute teacher at my high school, and he's also a, uh, a youth group leader of mine. Oh, okay. So he was your substitute teacher and your youth group leader? Correct. And so you guys became friendly in a, in a student-teacher type way? Correct. Right. Yes. And you learned that he had a life-sized Ernie? Yes, I've actually known that for a long time before this, uh, this occurrence. And how did you come to know that he had it? He had it displayed prominently in the middle of his floor. Where nobody could miss it. That's at this time. Were you eighteen or were you seventeen? I was seventeen. I was just a juvenile. Yeah, as it came to your mind as a juvenile delinquent that it would be fun to steal this Ernie, wouldn't it? We actually had the plan. We were going to take the Ernie. Who? Who are, uh, who's we? Who's we? Who's we? I and two of my peers, and uh, we took the Ernie with the with the plan to spruce it up, actually fit it for a pimp outfit, and return it to him in better condition than we had originally taken it. Uh, it was later that week we decided to take it to my house in my truck, which is out uh, sort of in the boonies. It's out on a little farm where there's no traffic, nobody coming by. No one can. So hear, I thought it no was one safe. can hear. No one can hear anything. No one can hear exactly. any scream. Yeah, I understand. Exactly. What state? And, uh, what state are we talking about? Pennsylvania. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's there's some boonies there. That's for sure. <laughs> Um, so, so I love, I love, by the way, how uh, as a seventeen-year-old, your idea of sprucing it up is give it a pimp outfit. <laughs> well, it was yeah. the best thing that came to mind. It was a, it was his birthday suit, if you will. I gotta, I gotta get, I gotta get spruced up for this wedding. Where's my pimp outfit? <laughs> All right. So you took the, you took the Ernie as a gag. Correct. All right. Upon and you were, and you were it, gonna return, you were gonna return it and pimped. But before correct. that could happen. Before it could happen, it was at my house. I was busy all day doing uh, schoolwork for a summer class. Do you have the receipts for the schoolwork to prove that you were doing schoolwork for a summer class? 
Uh, I, I have witnesses. You have my, witnesses? My mother, my, my mother was even right. home at the time. Right. Um, right. You weren't just out down by the river huffing Play-Doh, were you? No. Okay. No. <laughs> All right. We only have a stream nearby our house. Sure. Oh, sure. My, my error, then. Anywho, I went out to the car to show my good friend, who is also in on it, um, right. the Ernie. And upon opening the door, there was nothing there. Opening the door, I'm sorry, opening the door to... Of the truck. Of, the of my truck, truck. I'm okay. sorry. Okay, so you were storing Ernie in your truck. Correct, just for one day. Sure, just for one day until the pimp outfit was ready. And it disappeared. In, and you don't know how, how it was taken or who took it? No idea at all. Chris, let's talk about Ernie for a second. What is going on in your life that you have this life-sized Ernie figurine? I don't want to give the impression that I had gotten him as like a 26 year old only last summer. I'd had him since college. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, that's much better. Well, I mean, when you're in college, things like these just tend to, you yeah. know, you tend to acquire things like you, these. In my usually, opinion. usually by college, most people have moved on to mm, the electric company, but no, you still got Ernie. Fine. I still have Ernie. Who gave him to you? Uh, he was given to me as a Christmas gift by some family friends. Okay. One of whom was, uh, she worked in the, as a higher up in the hospital that um, Ernie came from. Um, he was a decoration in the children's wing of the hospital that I worked at in my summers and winters in college. Okay. And when they were getting rid of him, this friend got him from my boss to give to me as a Christmas present. So you had volunteered in the hospital. That's a very, a very uh, generous and courageous thing to do. Thank you. This Ernie was hanging around. Yes. Scaring children. What happened? Did the children's hospital get shut down? From what I remember, they had originally sent him down to um, my boss, who was the boss of several different departments um, in the hospital, including the uh, like the maintenance staff. They sent him down to get fixed up um, and sort of cleaned up. And then the children's hospital wing called back down to my boss and said, we're actually like we have yeah. it in the budget to just get new stuff. Well, so new Ernie, right. we, we don't want that Ernie anymore. Correct. Right. So they were so you, planning on getting rid of it. You sent in a, a photograph of Ernie, uh, which we have as evidence and is available on the internet. And here's what I here just so I can describe to people here. What I see is indeed what one may argue is a life-sized Ernie, although how you decide that is unclear. Um, being uh, hugged by you with a great big smile on your face, and about seventy-five pounds of thickly matted curly hair on your head and around your neck. Which that is I think correct. Is passing as a beard for you? Yes, um, yeah, it's, it's passing pretty well. I feel okay. Good. Um, and the Ernie uh, does look a little bit worse for the wear. Uh, I'll say uh, it's, he's seen some time in a children's hospital. That's for sure. Uh, Indeed, he, he is an extremely frightening figurine to me. But you obviously are embracing him. But you, again, we've already shown that you are more courageous and, and generous of heart than I am. Ernie seems to have his hand. Uh, manacled to what might be a, a walker of some kind? What is that? The Ernie, since it was in the children's wing of the hospital, um, was also next to a Big Bird and an Elmo, I believe. Makes um, sense. All of whom had different bandages. Uh, I know Big Bird's arm was in a cast. Right. Ernie, um, it's tough to tell in the picture, but his left leg um, was in a cast, and he had um, the crutches. The crutches. Were on his okay, so it's, yes. it's not just Ernie. It's Ernie on crutches. Correct. And this is taken in front of an empty... Park Fountain, completing the completely depressing and horribly scary image. And did you have a, a personal connection to this particular life-sized Ernie figurine before you left the hospital? Is that why they thought of you for it? 
Um, I just thought it was something that was really, really cool. Um, and it was one of those things that I felt like would be uh, for the, you know, the apartments and suites that I was living in um, when I first saw the Ernie and knew that they were getting throughout the, the remaining time in college. Sure. It was one of those things I was just like, this would be a really funny conversation piece. Just a conversation piece. Exactly. Yeah, um, exactly. And it turned into about six years of ownership. I should say, though. And, and, and may, I, may, I venture, may I venture to guess? Probably a lot of interesting conversations. Certainly. I mean, people seem to like it. It was a real crowd pleaser. Why do you have that? What is that doing here? Oh, my God, that scared me. Please get that out of here. Uh, all except the last one. Not a whole lot of people thought that I should get it out of there because they were scared. But a lot of like, oh, why do you have that? I want to take a picture with it. I've seen a lot of Ernie's, and this is a creepy Ernie, I got to tell you. Yeah, it is a little bit. But you miss it, is the thing. I do. Do you estimate that Ernie has any monetary value? I mean, it would be wrong of me to try and guesstimate that. I honestly, I couldn't tell you either way. Sentimental value, however, is through the roof. And so when it was taken from you, what happened? I had gotten a message from the kidnappers. Well, from Ernie, but it was the kidnappers posing as Ernie, um, who had let me know that he was gone. Um, that night, they led me on um, a little bit of a, a little bit of a scavenger hunt to attempt to find some clues. Uh-huh. Uh, and the subsequent in the subsequent two weeks, uh, there was a couple like different clues that I had to try and decipher and find in order to figure out the identity of the kidnappers. Um, none of which particularly pointed to any of them. Uh, they were all just kind of there. There were red herrings or MacGuffins. If you there wasn't any sort of point behind the clues. In my opinion, they've red herring would be more appropriate than MacGuffin there. But yes, I red herring. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Subsequent, I want to say it was probably somewhere in the neighborhood of about a week and a half later. Um, one of the kids that I was confident was involved in um, the the perpetration of the kidnapping of Ernie. Um, I had gotten him to confess to being a part of it, and additionally named the uh, the other two students, one of whom was Ben Shank. Um, oh, so you went you went you went on a, on a one man, one beard quest for justice. Yes, and you tracked down. You immediately figured out it's got to be one of these deadbeat teenagers. That I, I substitute I, teach. I had a very short list of people, and sure. the three people that were uh, that actually committed the kidnapping were at the very top of that short list as well. You got to one of them and you interrogated him. Yes, mercilessly, and you got him to to roll over on his confederates, one of whom is Ben. Yes, Ben. Let me ask you a question. Certainly. Tell me about the scavenger hunt. A lot of it was not done by me, so I can't tell you a whole lot about it. Uh, one of my peers had this grand scheme of uh, oh, sure, leading ben. him in circles ben, I get for a while. Oh, I get it. You were just a pawn. You were just along for the ride. You had nothing to do with it. No, they just told you it'd be a fun little Ernie Jape, and then everyone I'm will be I'm certainly happy. not saying that. Uh-huh. I'm certainly not saying that because I, I also I was active in it in that I was leading the clues away from me as much as possible. What would be an example of a clue? Oh, they were all fairly pointless. Uh, I'm not proud of any of them. The second clue that I got, which was given to me, I believe, that a day or two after the kidnapping, was uh, a drawing was placed in my mailbox at my house. Mm-hmm. Um, and the drawing was done by one of the kidnappers um, who had already signed the drawing but then had made attempts to scratch out his name at the bottom of the drawing. Um, but it was poorly done, so I knew immediately that this person was involved. It was What was the drawing of? Uh, the drawing was of a – it was a pig with, like, a bunch of, like, bling necklaces and stuff on and some sunglasses. Gee, I feel like I'm watching the videotape in the ring. It's just this, this completely 
weird array of disconnected stimuli that just serves to make me feel sicker and sicker and more confused and scared. What is going on? What part of Pennsylvania you guys live in? Central Pennsylvania. Central Pennsylvania. My goodness. All right. And someone called you and pretended to be Ernie's voice? Uh, I had gotten the message over uh, Facebook. Of an audio message or a, or a, or a text message? Uh, like a text message. Ben, you never called impersonating Ernie's voice? No, I'm not really sure what Ernie's voice would sound like. Why don't you give it a try? Hey, on deck. Like, I think he'd realize that that was me, so I'm not going to make... I wouldn't have made that folly, and I did not make that folly. All right. It was pretty good, though. It was a little, a, little bit, a little bit too much Kermit, though, but that's okay. All of a sudden, using his incredible sleuthing skills, Chris Ondek looks at this picture of a pig wearing bling and sees that one of the members of your gang has signed his name to it and then tried to erase it. And then sent it anyway. Uh, not erase it. Not erase it. Scratch over it with sure. more pencil. Sure, sure, sure. Right, exactly. Why not? Yeah. Because tearing off that piece of the paper was not an option. And, uh, and gets him to roll over. And Chris, you get the yes. names of all of the conspirators. But by that time, Ernie is gone. By the time I got the names of all the conspirators, I wasn't yet aware that Ernie had been kidnapped. Um, from the kidnappers. Right. Um, I just knew that they were the three people that took him originally, and I was told that I would be getting him back eventually. So when I found out, I honestly, I can't be sure whether or not um, he was still in their possession or not at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I just know that I found out the three kidnappers, and then I think about a week or okay, so okay, later. Okay, okay, just what, a week or so later, you finally confront them, and, and Ben, you got to tell him, I'm sorry, your Ernie's been stolen from my truck? The one who made the picture of the pig told him, because he felt that we were never going to find Ernie again, which we haven't, and he felt slightly guilty. I, on the other hand, knew that I was not guilty of anything. All right, now that's a strong statement to make, because you stole a thing from a person's house. The we thing, the borrowed thing, it. Wait a minute. The thing may be a life-size Ernie, and the person yeah. may be your substitute teacher and butt of jokes. And the house may be the living room where the substitute teacher is living with his Ernie temporarily until his, uh, until his tent gets uh, inspected and up to code. But all of the things are still true. It is a private domicile that you stole from. And you feel not guilty? Why? No. Why? Because I will tell you why. Okay. I borrowed it intending Can to Can you tell me up. in the voice of Ernie? I don't think I can do that. Mm-hmm. It, it hurts my throat. Um, are, you, are, you are you ready for I pledge? Are you ready for pledge justice yet? Uh, I don't have that kind of money. I'm, I, ben, why are you not guilty? I'm not guilty because I borrowed it, intending to spruce it up. I am simply a victim of circumstance because somebody stole it from my home, from my car. In fact, I would wager that I was You more stole that Ernie in a secret pimp my Ernie scheme. I don't need to hear any more I, from you. Your Honor. What? I, I do not feel that there's been justice here. Who stole it again? What, what is going on in central Pennsylvania that people are on? It had to have been someone that you were, what, one of your confederates. Who else knew you had it? 
Your Honor, we have searched high and low for seven months, and uh, nothing has turned up. What? what have, have you put Chris Ondek on the case? He's a master detective. He's the, he's the greatest detective in central Pennsylvania. He's been on it just as long, if not a, a bit longer. I would dispute their claim that they have been searching high and low for the past seven months. Maybe they've just been searching high, right? Yeah, just I don't high think end. they've been searching at all. Yeah, I think they've just been searching high. Do you get what I'm saying, guys? <laughs> but what you're saying is some crazy Omar-like thief who robs from thieves wandered by your truck. And I was like, Omar coming, and I'm taking that Ernie. And then just slipped away into the night and is now having a good laugh at all of us. I don't know what their intentions with this Ernie were. I do not want to know what their intentions of this Ernie were. I, 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 I have to say that I'm fascinated by this mystery of who took the Ernie a second time, partly because I don't think we'll ever know the answer, and partly because I am so clearly prepared to make my judgment. This is what we call an open and shut case. Not only do we open and shut, but we lock the door on this one. I'm going to go to my chambers. I'm going to think it through, and then I'll come back and talk to you later. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. You're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast always brought to you by you, the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join. And you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame, you can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I, I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step-by-step, day-by-day, bird-by-bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really 
help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Chris, you're the leader of these young men. Do you think that you've instilled in them the values that you were supposed to be instilling in them? I think I have. What I'm looking for is not any sort of punitive damages or anything like that. Um, uh, I like to think that I've given them some sense of values as well. I would also like to point out I've accepted the fact that I'm never going to get Ernie back and have forgiven the kids and have moved on. But what I'm looking for is just for them to step up and take the responsibility that I feel they have for this instead of trying to scapegoat it, instead of trying to make it somebody else's fault. Uh, all I'm looking for is for them to take responsibility for something that they've already been forgiven for. Ben, would Jesus have broken into his youth group's leader's house to steal his life-size Ernie from Sesame Street doll? I don't believe he would have, but he may have easily borrowed him and expected to pimp him out. So your argument, Ben, is that Jesus would have pimped out an Ernie doll. I am not arguing that because heaven only knows. Hang on, hang on, I'm back. I'm back. I just got to say, you know what? I was going to find in favor of Chris Ondek, but I think that argument may have just won the day. <laughs> I don't think Jesus would have stolen him, but I think he would have borrowed him and pimped him out. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how. I think we're, you know, the generational divide is so great. I don't, I don't know how I can possibly argue with that. But I, I will. I, w I have now returned from Chambers. Ben, let me ask you a question. Certainly. Do you think that this Ernie would have been disappeared, as it were, 
if you guys had not originally stolen it from Chris's living room? See, the problem with that, that sentence is you use the word stole. We simply borrowed uh, with the plan to pimp it out. I stand by that. I don't see anything in any of the laws that say that we cannot borrow something and pimp it out. Let me say, I understand that your intention was of a gentle prank. You like your teacher, don't you? I do. Right. I wouldn't even say it was a gentle prank. I'd say it was a favor. Because as you could see, the Ernie was in a, oh. a poor state. He's seen better days. Oh, pride goeth before the fall. You would, do, you would be wise just to say, yeah, it was a prank on this teacher that I like that went horribly wrong. But you see what's happened, Ben. You see, you came very close here to becoming a monster. What started as a joke, a favor, a classic Ernie pimp out, quickly became a perilous journey into the dark side of your very soul. It seems surprising to me that you would try to cast the greater blame on the second Ernie thief, parties still unknown, <laughs> the most mysterious thief of all time. But that, that can be construed as, uh, unless it was one of your confederates in on the game, that could be construed as a crime of passion. I see that, Ernie, and I want it. Whereas you and your gang set out on a gaslighting mission, an attempt to drive Chris slowly insane by sending him weird, taunting messages through Facebook from Ernie himself. Whether or not you returned it with or without a pimp outfit, that crime was already done. It was a prank, sir. At very best, it was a prank. At best, it was thievery from a home. I think that you owe your teacher an apology, and I am going to sentence you to same. Think for one moment, sir. What if it was not a full-size Ernie we're talking about here? I mean, I appreciate it's ridiculous, and obviously Ernie needs a little sprucin, and by sprucin, I mean pimpin. But what if it wasn't an Ernie? What if it was something more precious to him, something he truly cared about, like his life-size bust of Cookie Monster? You see what I'm saying? So look. What you're saying, Your Honor. Look. I obviously, I think Chris here is being very reasonable. He's not asking for monetary reparation. He's not asking for, um, uh, uh, I mean, he's not asking for very much at all. But I think that you owe him a chance to show him that he is not a terrible substitute teacher and youth group leader. He wants you to turn back away from this pride that goeth before the fall and just say, I'm sorry about your Ernie, man. It was just a joke. Can you do that for me? Yeah. I'm willing to do that, but I also have to uh, ask, perhaps for your sentencing, uh, it would be wise for Chris Ondek to take better care of his earnings. I'm just going to say that. Okay, listen to me now, Ben. Now I'm going to be very serious here for a second. You are 18 years old. You have your whole life ahead of you. What are you going to be? What are you going to do? Go to college. Uh, right. Get a job. Follow my greatest ambitions. Get a job. What's your, what's your greatest ambition? A petty figurine thief who makes a lot of excuses for himself? If that's, uh, that's how I become successful, why not? <laughs> what, what, do you have a dream? Is there something you want to be? I was thinking I could uh, make giant figurines. Right. I've looked into that. I've right. actually looked into that. It's either that or study international business. Right. You don't, yeah, internet, you don't care. You don't care what it is as long as you become successful. And do you know what's going to happen, Ben? You're going to become successful. I can tell. Because you got no qualms, you got no scruples, you got that hunger. You're going to become successful. Look at Chris Ondek. This guy volunteers at children's hospitals. This guy is your youth group leader and he's a substitute teacher. He can't afford to take care, better care of Ernie. He makes a dollar a year. 
And he does so out of the goodness of his heart. Now, look, I don't begrudge you your success. You should go forth and do it. But I refuse to let you scorn a volunteer and a youth group leader and a substitute teacher and say that he should take better care of his Ernie. This guy's doing the best he can. So I reject that argument wholeheartedly. Go out, make your money, become very successful by stealing or, or, or honestly, too, if you want. You know, by, come by honest means. But don't, don't scorn your youth group leader. That's, that's a, a shameful way to go through life. I respect that, Your Honor. All right. So what are you going to say? I'm sorry, Mr. Here, you know Ondek. What? Here, let me, just repeat after me. I'm sorry, Mr. Ondek. I'm sorry, Mr. Ondek. Because we're on a first-name basis, I'll call you Chris. Because we're on a first-name basis, I'll call you Chris. And I take that first-name basis seriously and the intimacy it implies. And I take that first-name basis seriously and the intimacy it implies. So as your friend. So as your friend. And as an 18-year-old. And as an 18-year-old. Whom you've been so gracious to treat as your peer. Whom you have been so gracious as to treat as your peer. Nice use of whom, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. I apologize. I apologize. It was a simple joke. It was a simple joke. Born of affection Born for you. of affection for you. It went horribly wrong. It went horribly wrong. In a very mysterious way. In a very mysterious way. And I am very sorry. And I am very sorry. And I will not stop. And I will not stop. Until I have hunted down. Until I have hunted down. The real Ernie kidnappers. The real Ernie kidnappers. Ben, you seem, you seem like a very smart and funny guy. Thank you. All right. Just uh, keep your hands off the Muppets. You know what I'm talking about? Can do. All right. Good. This is the sound of a gavel. Judge John Hodgman rules. That's the end of another Judge John Hodgman podcast. I've been bailiff Jesse Thorne. John Hodgman is online at areasofmyexpertise.com. The show is produced by Julia Smith, and this week was edited by me. All of the expenses of this podcast are paid for by donations to MaximumFun.org. So get off your duff and visit MaximumFun.org and support this show and all of our other podcasts. Whether you're old hat at Maximum Fun or brand new, we appreciate your support. That's MaximumFun.org slash donate.